This episode of Inside Fashion is brought to you by Klarna. Klarna lets you shop now and pay later, interest-free, at leading online retailers. To add Klarna to your store, visit Klarna.com. I'm really interested in making clothes that represent what it means to live today. I was like, okay, I'm gonna drop out of school and work and then apply for Parsons. And then I got the letter back, you know, unfortunately, you're not accepted. And my first job was not designing, it was production. That was your fashion school, basically. Yeah. I mean, you worked with, you know, everyone from Lady Gaga to Kanye West to Nick Knight, but I guess there was still something inside you that you wanted to do your own thing. All the projects as an art director had been making someone else's idea the best it could be. Lady Gaga's creative director or Kanye's creative director or Ben Trill, it doesn't represent who Matthew Williams is as a person. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Welcome to Inside Fashion on the BOF podcast. You know when you meet someone and you just could talk to them forever? Well, that's how I felt the first time I met Matthew Williams. We met at a dinner in Paris and I asked him, you know, can we have a chat like this on our podcast? And thankfully he said yes. Matthew, as some of you will know, was once the creative director for Lady Gaga and Kanye West. He worked in this collective group called Bin Trill. And now he's the creative director of Alix which is one of the fashion industry's rising streetwear brands. And I sat down with Matthew in Paris a few weeks ago to learn about his journey and how it all happened. So stay tuned to this one. It's a really interesting one. Actually, after the podcast was over, Matthew and I kept chatting for another half hour. We enjoyed the conversation so much. So here's Matthew Williams, Inside Fashion. Good afternoon, Matthew Williams. Welcome to the BOF podcast. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I'm great. Bit Happy jet to be lagged, here. You said. Not jet lag. Just woke up early for a flight. Okay. And then I had a shoot for Vogue this morning, and then okay. I'm here. So the life good. of a budding fashion entrepreneur. <laughs> From Vogue to BOF. I want to cover all of that today, but you know, I wanted to start with your personal story because it is really, really interesting how you ended up here doing what you do. And I want to go back to California, okay. which is where you grew up, right? Yes. Tell me what it was like for you growing up in California and what you were like growing okay. up in California. Yeah. Um, we can take it even a step farther back. Sure. Which I was born in Evanston, Illinois, which is like a small town yeah, outside that's of where, Chicago. That's where Northwestern is, yes. right? Yes. So my, my dad went to dental school at Northwestern. Okay. And then we moved back to California where my family was from when we were two, when I was two. Um, and yeah, I grew up in central California in a small town called Pismo Beach. It's about an hour north of Santa Barbara. And it was really, you know, uh, like what you would think of a California upbringing would be like, you know, my elementary school overlooked the ocean. I walked to school every day, skateboarded, played sports with my friends. Surf? It was weird, I didn't surf, yeah. I just didn't pick it up. I liked skating a lot more. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really great. Um, Sounds idyllic. Growing up in California uh, at that time was really special and unique. And uh, so, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. And apart from skating, like what, what, what else were you interested in? I played a lot of soccer, yeah. um, music, 
that was pretty much it, you know. Um, I think the the first jobs that I wanted to to be when I was young was like I wanted to be like an emergency room doctor at one point because I felt like I wouldn't get bored because I would just kind of fix whatever came in the door and then be done with it. Right. I, I have kind of a short atten attention span. I think yeah. that's why fashion's a bit good for me too. With that, I'm working on like different types of product all the time or shoots or, you know, there's all so many different aspects of doing fashion, which keeps my mind uh, occupied that I'm doing something different each day. Right. And then, you know, I wanted to play professional soccer at one point. And it wasn't until later in life, like maybe when I was 18, it was one of my soccer coaches had a clothing brand and I went and interned for him in a summer. And I decided this is what I want to do. And I dropped out of college. And Where were you at college? I was at UCSB in okay. Santa Barbara. Um, studying? Studying art. I was a- So you were always creative. Yeah, I was into like art as a kid and I did a lot of uh, sculpture in high school. I took like three years of sculpture. Um, so yeah, I was an art studio major and then I played soccer. Um, but I didn't re really realize that I could have a career doing fashion, you know, until that internship. And once I, I, you know, started, I, this, I was like, I love this. This is what I really love. What did love. you love about it? Um, I loved making things with, with my hands. Like, I guess that's why I like sculpture, you know, sculpting yeah. too. And, um everything about it. I loved, I fell in love with fashion photography. There was like this whole world um, to learn about the history of fashion. And I just really, you know, went, you know, fully obsessive over the whole process. Who are your favorite fashion photographers? Oh, that's really hard. Um, well, I, you know, I love uh, Irving Penn. Yeah. I love Edward Steichen. Yeah. I love uh, Nick Knight, obviously. Uh, Jurgen is amazing, you know. And so you were you were following this world of fashion almost from the outside a little bit because this this brand that you were interning at, you know, what what did it sell? It was a menswear brand, and they they did a lot of like denim. Yeah. At that time. LA, you know, there was a lot of denim going on. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna drop out of school and work and then apply for Parsons because that was the school that I, I knew um, was really amazing. Like I knew Mark Jacobs went there, um, you know, and I was like, okay, that would be a great place to go. And I, I went and like sent my application, flew in for an interview and then I got the letter back, you know, unfortunately, you're not accepted oh. and I was like how did that feel I was pretty bummed how old you know? were you uh 20 20 okay yeah. yeah that's a tough rejection yeah when you're 20 because you know my parents were like you shouldn't be dropping out of school you know they they didn't really know if fashion could be a career but I just really loved it and and then you know they're like okay if you want to do it you're on your own and um and then the company that I was interning for, you know, gave me a job and a livable wage. And uh, I just started working. And my first 
job was, was not designing, it was production. So I'd get the designs from the designer and then I'd drive all around downtown LA and South Central and East LA and make everything, do the marking and grading, um, cut the sample patterns. And, and that's really where I learned how to um, like express how clothing should be made. That was your fashion school basically. Yeah. Right, and you know, actually in a lot of fashion schools, they don't teach the technical stuff. They don't teach the production and the pattern making and the grit, like all that stuff. Yeah. It's, not, it's, it's either not covered at all or it's glossed over. So that's an amazing foundation actually. Yeah, and, and it was also great to understand a little bit more about like the business because, you know, they were running a business. So understanding, you know, how much things cost, uh, how to sell your clothes. Like I learned about a showroom for the first time and press and mm. how that works and et cetera. Um, and then, you know, it was just a small company of like three people at that time. So I was doing lookbook shoots and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, uh, a company that invested in that company, um, you know, ended up liking the work that I was doing and then offered me a job in New York. So I was like, I've always wanted to live in New York. This is a great opportunity. And I, I moved to New York City when I was in the 2021. Started working for them. What was the company called? Um, it was called Ernest Sohn. It was a denim company. Oh, yeah, company. of course. Yeah. And uh, their investors were from Toronto. So that's where the Toronto connection came in where we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So I was going there a lot. And uh, anyways, there was some, some changes in the company and I lost my job after six months of moving to New York. And so then I started freelancing and working, um, doing production for other designers that were in New York City. I did stuff for like Freeman Sporting Club, if you remember that of course. place. And, um, Is it still around? I think. I I went to one in Japan actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Tavo. He he's pretty legendary. Tavo. Yeah. Um, different you know different women's wear designers and I I started to learn more about high fashion there, and then ended up moving back to LA about a year and a half two years later to to work for the same company again, and then uh, as I was you know, doing that, that's when I, I met um, some stylists that worked in music. And at that time, fashion wasn't as linked to music. Yeah. Um, you know, the only brand, like musicians that brands would, like Chanel would lend to would be like Madonna. Right. And there was a really clear <clears throat> separation between music stylists and fashion stylists. And, uh, so a lot of the music stylists in LA would make costumes for, for the musicians. So I would be asked to produce the ideas of the stylist or of the musician. And then that's how I, I got more into costume making. And, and that's how I started working with Kanye and, uh, and Gaga. So those are two towering figures yeah. in the music industry very different in some respects, very similar in other respects. Can we talk about what it was like? Well, let's talk about Gaga first, because... Well, I know, actually worked with Kanye did before you? Gaga, okay, which so, is kind of interesting. People make, uh, like, don't remember that, so... Okay, so then let's talk about Kanye first. So, you know, I mean, clearly he's a genius in 
many respects, mm -hmm. but very complicated in other respects. What was it like? Well, originally he was wanting to start Pastel, okay. which was his first brand. And he, I had made uh, the jacket uh, in collaboration with a stylist and his art director for that Grammy performance that he performed with Daft Punk. Mm -hmm. So it was like this jacket that lit up and was sound responsive. And he's like, I like this kid, he's cool. You know, he, he, he came over and asked what I was doing. He was like, do you wanna come work with me full time? I wanna start my label and I wanna build a studio in LA. So originally my first job with him was setting up his uh, sample room. So I hired all the pattern makers, um, sewers, bought the machines and set up uh, the first pastel studio on Fairfax. And then just by spending time together, you know, he started to ask me to come on tour and help out with this photo shoot. And then through that, I started to learn more about like stage design. I'd get to collaborate with more experienced art directors and uh, photographers. And then that became, you know, with him and later on Gaga, my like master's program where I got to really collaborate with really great creative talents that from all around the world, from art, music, uh, photography, fashion, and, and just learn as an assistant would, but coming from this whole other angle where I got to have direct dialogue. And that was, you know, really, really, you know, amazing to be able to, to you know, to have that experience firsthand. And how did the Gaga thing happen? I met her at a sushi restaurant. Okay. We were just eating like sushi. She was at the table next to me, and uh, we had mutual friends. Was she friends. a star yet? No, she she uh, was just working on her album, and uh, each of the friends that we were eating with were friends and introduced us. And she had just moved from uh, New York City to LA to finish recording her album, and she had some. Um, some label performances where they have like new artists perform for the label heads and they get to see like what artists they're premiering for the upcoming year. And she knew I made clothes. She knew I was working with Ye at the time. And she asked me. Ye being Kanye, Kanye just yeah. for those who don't know the lingo. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she asked me to make some costumes for her. And she really loved Grace Jones, um, you know, she loved Brian Eno a lot, uh, and she gave me all this these references, and we were just friends, and we started hanging out, and uh, and I just started making stuff for her as a friend, and then, you know, I guess it was about six months after that, Just Dance went on the radio, and it really blew up, and she went on this crazy tour, and I was still working with Ye at that time, and then uh, when she came back after that tour she was like you know I'd really love for you to come work with me full-time and at that time with you know with Kanye I was wasn't as senior of a role as I was when I came back and worked with him after Gaga yeah so it was great to be able to have the opportunity to do more of a project from the ground up that I really was there from the beginning like with her um, so I was like yay I want to do this he was like dude go for it, like that sounds cool. And um, 
and then you know we started so like when you're like crafting the effectively the visual identity of someone like lady gaga in the very early stages of her like superstardom i remember that time like she was like you could not escape gaga (laughs) she was everywhere it was was, really interesting what was that like like how did it all happen it was really crazy um i haven't talked about this very much just you know because i can't take you know i can't take credit for what you just said about crafting her visual identity i was like a creative collaborator yeah and there there was a small circle of people that worked with her and um you know it was really a perfect storm of 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 a lot of great people contributing to what she did and herself too she should get a lot of credit for for her own visual identity and, and all the great things that she did and all the great albums that she did and um i think the music that she was doing at that time paired with the where clothing was at at that time mixed with fashion and then there was social media she was one of the first artists to use twitter and all of those um youtube she she used to do like these uh youtube videos about i think they were called like gaga vision um that would be behind the scenes stuff and then she also worked incredibly hard like show after show after show she must have done i mean 150 to 300 shows around the world before just dance went to the radio so when you do that and you're in front of that many people the fans are feeling like they're discovering something Mm -hmm. people forget that now we have this instant streaming of music which is like amazing but when you build a fan base from touring and then your your song goes on the radio it's like a different connection with the fans and right. she she really worked hard like two shows a night building this insane fan base and then um and then she had a great team around her that when it really hit we were able to follow the work and the demand and and uh you know do stuff all around the world so basically after um a year of doing costumes and et cetera, et cetera, uh, there started to be like way too much stuff to make costumes for, <laughs> you know what I mean too? And uh, she was working with freelance stylists here and there, but I had met Nicola Formichetti uh, actually on a Hedy Slimane shoot when he was uh, f- doing photography during that time. Yeah, in and, LA. Yeah, and Nicola was, to me, you know, one of the, he still is like one of the best stylists ever. And at that time he was fashion editor of V, Dazed and Vogue Japan. And just doing just really experimental work that was more than styling, like um, merging, uh, you know, student design work with, you know, Gucci or uh, Vuitton or something. And it was just a real mixture of like vintage young designers work and big, uh, brands. big brands. And I thought that that was so interesting. Yeah. And we became friends and I was like, Hey, listen, this, this is a girl I'm working with. Um, it, I don't have any relationships with magazines, brands. I'm in LA. Like 
so far removed from the fashion community. Would you work on this with me and, you know, come meet her? And Gaga really liked him. And, and then we started to work together. And it was really amazing because I was there day to day and he was coming in and out because he was so busy, but he had like really amazing assistants all around the world. So when we landed in London, you know, Anna Trevelyan took over and was just like seamless, boom. And then we'd land in Tokyo and, and this girl named Emmy, who's amazing, she would look after us and handle so like the Asian stuff. That's how it worked, okay. so, so we had like people through Nicola in each place that yeah. would just be there prepared and us knowing the schedule we would like be commissioning pieces based on like each concept quite ahead of time so stuff was so everything was, ready. was planned yeah wow and then there'd be stuff happening at home for like a tour or sometimes we would work with like uh you know like uh versace or armani or prada they would like make outfits for you know for the met ball or uh, TV performance or right. things like that. Amazing. You must be really proud of her. Yeah, she did an, she did an amazing yeah. job. And she won well. the Oscar the other night, which is kind of incredible. Yeah, right? it's great. Um, then you went back to work for Kanye. Yeah. So Gaga and I stopped working together at Born This Way. And then... Well, uh, it was just done. The creative collaboration was just... Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, and then I had to do like a reset and like, okay, you know, what do I want to do? And I developed a really great creative relationship with Nick Knight through all those, those shoots that we did with her and the Monster Ball tour and all of that. And uh, I wanted, I, I knew that I still wanted to be a designer, but I really loved like how someone like Hetty, for instance, he designed, but then he shot all of the content for his clothes and it just felt like he didn't need to rely on anyone to to have like a full cohesive vision and uh, I was like okay I, I want to learn how how to to make imagery and do film and I wrote to Nick and asked if I could come to London and, and work with him and he was like I would love to so I moved to London <clears throat> and I worked at show studio as an art director there and did uh, lots of campaigns with Nick um, and worked really closely with him. And then when Ye found out that I, you know, wasn't working with Gaga anymore, he was like, okay, I'm starting this project called Donda, which is our, um, uh, you know, creative, uh, group of creatives that are gonna work on all my projects and all of my artist projects and art projects. You know, I'd love for you to come do that so then that was like the second phase of working with with Kanye and that's when you met Virgil no I met him back in the early days okay yeah yeah at the beginning right <laughs> was Virgil still there when you went back yeah yeah but he had moved up to just like me to like a more senior position sure sure so at some point you know there was this thing called Bean Trill which I think is like critical to your story as well. Yeah, uh, Ben Trill happened during the second uh, Kanye time. Yeah. But it was really just a fun thing to do with the friends that were working with him. Right. You know, it wasn't... And what, it was a collective. But what does that mean, <laughs> right? Okay, we, we basically just wanted to hear our own music 
at clubs when we were on tour and started a DJ group and then we're like, okay. And this is you, Virgil, and Heron Preston. And Justin Saunders. Yeah. Okay. And then we're like, okay, we're gonna DJ together. We need to have matching t-shirts when we DJ. And then, you know, we had friends in fashion and we, you know, we asked Stussy to make some t-shirts for us. And it was just kind of like a project by project um, uh, thing, you know, that none of us really took too seriously, you know what I mean? But it was just a reason for us to get together and have fun and, you know, experiment with ideas and just get them out, you know? And what did you learn in doing that? I learned a lot. I mean, it was the first business I ever ran on my own, right. you know what I mean? So it turned into a business. Yeah, it did eventually, Yeah, you know? like learning how to do a trademark for a brand or right. um, like licensing or, or stuff like that. So there was definitely like business stuff that, that I learned, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and then, so like, obviously like your main focus now in life is Alix, not just your daughter, but also the business. Like yeah. in this whole journey, <clears throat> you, I mean, you worked with you know, everyone from Lady Gaga to Kanye West to Nick Knight to Nicola Formichetti, you know, really incredible people. But I guess there was still this something inside you that you wanted to do your own thing. Like, how did it all happen? Well, I always wanted to do that since the beginning. Yeah. Uh, in my early 20s, but I, I still had a lot to learn and, and I still do have a lot to learn. But I felt like at that time, I was 27, 28, I'm 33 now. So 27, 28, when I decided I wanted to start the brand. And, and how I, did you know it was the right time? Because um, I had stopped working for Kanye. I had gotten married. I had had two kids. And I wanted to, you know, try doing a business of my own. And, you know, before that, a lot of the, you know, all the projects as an art director or working for somebody had been a collaborative on making someone else's idea the best it could be. And I'm really good at that. And I wanted to come back and look inward and, and do something that was really personal that I feel like I needed to, to just get out, you know? So um, that felt like what I needed to do. And I, I wanted to have a project represent who I was as a person because I felt like Lady Gaga's creative director or Kanye's creative director or Ben Trill, it doesn't represent who Matthew Williams is as a person. Right. As, you know, everything about me. Right. There's aspects in there. And um, at, at there was points in my life where I didn't like being labeled as all those things because I didn't think it fairly represented who I was or sometimes I would meet people and there would be really preconceived notions about what I was like or who I was. Not that that even matters, but I, I did feel like I had something that I still wanted to say. Right. So who is Matthew Williams as a person? What is it that you're <laughs> trying to express through this brand? Uh, well, <laughs> it's hard to articulate that, that kind of question, but it's definitely just, just emotion, you know, just 
emotional clothing. Right. <laughs> what kinds of emotions? All the, the range that you experience as a human being. Right. And it's, it's just kind of, uh, you know, like a timeline of growth as, right. a, as a person. And, uh, you know, I think I'm really interested in making clothes that represent what it means to live today. And that's why I'm always trying to course correct in each collection and, and each piece. And, and um, you know, that's, that's what I've been doing. I think if, if you want to know more about, like, who I am or what I'm trying to say, it's, it's within the, the collection, it's within the communication around the brand, the films we put out, the music we choose, the people that collaborate with us, um, even the, the written material. Do you like being kind of grouped in with this world that everyone's calling streetwear? Is that a label that you relate to? It's interesting because it is where I come from, yeah. you know. Um, it's different because like when I grew up in California, you know, skating or surf, like my dad surfed, there was people in my neighborhood that their grandparents surfed, like that kind of, you know, board sport culture, I don't know if that's the right word for it, but whatever, like skate culture, rap music, it was just kind of part of being. You, it was inescapable. It wasn't like I was trying to be a part of streetwear. It was just part of my existence. It was just like born into this way of being. Um, and so I didn't choose to be or not to be. It's just like part of that, you know, that environment that I came from. So I'm really proud of it. You know, I'm proud that you know, skate videos led me to certain musicians and to uh, different artists and people and, uh, you know. So I think for me, streetwear now is just, it's, uh, it relates back to like a community where, at least for me, where I come from, um, the community of people that wear my clothing. And, uh, I think that's it. If you look at the clothes that I make on a rack, could you tell the difference if it was Dior or, you know, mm -hmm. another luxury brand? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you if you look at it item by item. I mean, streetwear doesn't mean graphic T-shirts anymore. So it, it may it may have in the past. Yeah, but now it's just fashion. Right. You know? So streetwear for me is more about a label of the person where they where their background is from. Sure. You know, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the big difference between what mm. people called or still call fashion and what people call streetwear is the whole element of community. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think there's an element of participation and um, inclusion. That, may, that is critical to being part of this movement that everyone's calling streetwear. But fundamentally, it manifests itself through clothing or music or whatever, or sports, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. And that's why those things are now so much more tightly wound into fashion. We were talking earlier about music and fashion were kind of separate worlds now. And now that whole culture is just colliding now. And it just so happens that a big part of culture is coming 
from the collision of, of the things that we've been discussing. But also, I think in the past, brands could be successful just by advertising a lot. Yeah. But now you can really notice firsthand which brands have community around it. Exactly. And which ones don't. Exactly. And maybe that's people are like, that's streetwear because they have community. Yeah. You know well, I mean? it's funny because like, I, I, <laughs> in, I get to interview a lot of people now. Yeah. And, like the, the number of people using the word community to describe their strategy is quite interesting. And it's not always authentic and it's not always real because I think creating genuine community is not like a strategic decision you can make. I it has to, agree. It has to come from something real. Yeah. You know, and that's hard. You know it when you see it. You and you know it when you're it. part, part. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the business today, Alix, mm-hmm. uh, you moved your whole family to Italy to keep it, to make it work because you, yeah. you found an investor and partner. Well, from the beginning, yeah. uh, I had my business partner, Luca Benini, who's one of the, he's one of the founders of streetwear. Right. So he's like, Slam jam. yeah. So he's one of the original Stussy tribe. Right. And that's how I originally met him through art direction at Stussy and my wife worked with him um, doing sales for different brands she was working with and um, you know I went to him originally to ask if he could make shoes for me and then presented him the project he was like I really love uh, what you're doing what you want to do like let's do this business together so it was always an Italian American company from the beginning and I was commuting for the first two years from New York to Italy. And then um, the company started growing. You know, we launched men's and women's collection because for the first two years it was just women's. And then, uh, yeah, and then we just needed to be there to be closer to the factories, to be in the studio working every day with Luca, to hire more people. And What's it like um, living in Italy? I love it. It's a lot like California. Like in California, Californians don't travel outside of California. Yeah. <laughs> we just vacation in California. Same thing with Italy. Italians vacation in Italy. There's like wine country, uh, the sea, snow, everything's drivable. So I don't know, for me, it's, it feels like being in California for, you know, uh, from those points. So, I, I mean, it's a great place for kids. We really love it. And I mean, I love, what I do so much like I really love making clothing I love being um, in the factories I love working with my team so for me waking up and getting to do the job that I do every day I'm just really fulfilled and then to be in a safe place that's great for kids my kids growing up bilingual you know I'm really really happy about that and to finally be paying for the quality of life not the location that I live in Mm -hmm. is a really nice change because mm-hmm. you know being in new york for 10 years you're like whoa what was i i was paying a lot there yeah. that that gets me this here wow yeah. <laughs> you know sometimes we get used to things but it's you know it's just through habit not necessarily that it's a better way but i mean if you look at people who've been able to scale their business and brands that are still here for 20 30 years a lot of them have deep roots of business or production in Italy. And um, that's one of the few places that can make so many different types of garments to such a high level. They're still amazing craftsmen. And um, 
for me, starting in this business, liking clothing just by the product that I saw on the rack, not by what the designer looked like, I still have that in my heart. Like I want people to see the product that we make and fall in love with what we do. And you know, going being in Italy and and making the clothes that we make, um, it's like the only only way to achieve that. I think. Yeah. What an amazing story. It must feel pretty amazing to be in the position you're in now, coming from completely outside this world to having like this brand that got nominated for the LVMH prize and you're now doing a show in Paris and you're collaborating with Nike. I mean, when I don't you really when, think about it. Like yeah. That. When you're in the you. midst of it, I know it's you're like, it you feels don't... surreal being from California and having a business in Italy and showing in Paris that that part still feels pretty surreal. You know yeah. what I mean? It's so, it is so far from that reality. Yeah. You know? So as you look ahead, because it sounds like you're a man with a plan. You know, <laughs> wh where do you see it going now from here? Just to continue, you know, um, just continue doing what we do now and getting better each season, you know. I don't know. I'm, I think the business side of, of what I <clears throat> what I do, you know, Luca has a, a big part to play in that. But um, you know, you know, I chime in here and there, but I'm really not strategic in that way. Like I I still it it is about the business, but I I really honestly it really I really love doing what we're doing and I, I care mostly about being proud of of the product that we're making you know sure and so I'm I'm just really focused on on that and and making things that I'm really proud of and excited about yeah. you know looking back now what was the hardest <clears throat> moment I mean there was a lot you know dropping out of school uh, like moving to New York uh, you know, picking myself back up again after I, you know, stopped working in music. Um, you know, learning about a new culture, like living in Italy, how, how business is done. I mean, that's something people don't talk about enough is like, we're, we're such a global, like we are, you know, global society where everybody can communicate so easily yeah but there's really huge cultural di differences in what's normal in the workplace or how much people work or how little or uh what's appropriate to or how fast things move or you know what i mean so it's been really beautiful getting to understand like another culture like, yeah like italy because it's, it's so rich and so beautiful and you know, there's there's a lot of I've learned a lot. They do many things in in a in a really great way that that I think I, I never would have experienced. You know, just working in America my whole life. Yeah. So yeah, all that stuff was was difficult. I mean, making clothes is difficult. Making you know making uh, new clothes, you know, interesting clothing is is really difficult. Making clothing is not easy. It's really 
hard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so all of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let me turn the tables on you a little bit. Like back when you were 19 or 20 and you're going, trying to get into Parsons and, um, you know, trying to figure out a way to pursue your pass- passion for fashion, your interest in fashion. There's going to be lots of young people here that now look up to you. Um, what's your advice to them as they, as they think about pursuing their own dreams and careers in this industry? Hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I think, you know, one interesting thing is someone was saying to me, the difference between someone that comes from tech or fashion is the, someone that wants to start a new tech company is thinking about how to develop a new model for how you uh, use a car and get to work or how you uh, get your groceries or something like that. Uh, someone in fashion is just a designer a lot of times is just learning how to make clothes but not questioning how we engage with clothing or how we use it and I think that's I would just encourage people to to approach fashion in a new way that's outside of the system that exists because it's it's on the future generations to show us a new way of how we make clothing a new way of how we engage with clothing and um, I think not to be afraid of going towards uh, the goal or the dream that that you have and you know surrounding yourself with people that you can learn from and even if it's a free internship or whatever just be relentless in your commitment to learning and being close to the people that you really want to emulate, but at the same time having the courage to try something different and put out um, new ideas from the way clothes are made, but then also how they're presented and how they're purchased to the the whole 360 model of, of fashion. We shouldn't have our future generations of designers just only look at it from making clothes because the world of fashion is so much more rich, you know? Yeah, and it's connected to so many different things, including yeah. technology now, exactly. which means that there's room for disruption everywhere, mm-hmm. right? And disruption does, doesn't just come from what you're putting on the runway. It comes from everything that you're doing to make your business work. Exactly. Right. Well, Matthew, thank you thank for taking you. through that story. I mean, that I just that's an amazing story. Um, I'm going to remember that one. Um, Thank you for sharing that. That's really cool. And you're really lucky to have worked with so many visionary people, but you're clearly a visionary yourself. So congratulations on, on all your success. And I look forward to keeping abreast of everything that you're up to because it's uh, it's really exciting um so Thank thanks you. again Thank this you for is having imran me. ahmed founder and ceo of the business of fashion that's all for inside fashion this week matthew and i are in paris i'm about to race out to my next show but uh luckily matthew made the time for me to have a interesting conversation while i'm here so stay tuned for everything that's coming on the bof podcast and you'll hear from us very soon bye If you enjoyed this conversation, you might be interested in BOF Professional, our global membership community from the business of fashion. 
BOF professional members receive unlimited access to all of our articles, daily members-only analysis, the BOF professional iPhone app, biannual print issues, and all of our online education courses as part of your membership. For a limited time only, we are offering BOF podcast listeners an exclusive discount on an annual BOF professional membership. To get 25% off of your first year, click on the link in the episode notes, select the annual package, and enter the special invitation code PODCAST2019 at the checkout. We hope you enjoy it, and don't forget to tell your friends.